All right, we're back for the end-to-end Puck Talk podcast, episode number nine. This episode is being recorded on April 20th, and this weekend is Easter weekend, and alongside me is Andrew Flager, always. Andrew, how you doing? Pretty good, Thomas. I want to shout out Tiger Woods before we start. He won the Masters last week. Huge comeback, probably the greatest comeback story in all of sports. Yep. Uh, I was really excited about that. I also, when I was watching the Masters on on Sunday, I slammed a nice little bet on him at, uh, I think it was like plus 215 odds or something, so he won me a little bit of money too, so I'm happy oh, about okay. that. Good for Tiger Woods. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the biggest stories in 2019, 100%, and one of the biggest in sports history, so good for Tiger Woods. But on to some hockey news, and some of the hockey news will be dedicated more towards uh, the series we will mention later in the episode. Uh, as of right now, we only have one piece of hockey news, and that's that the Team USA announced their first 17 players who are, who will represent the country at the upcoming IIHF World Hockey Championships. So, uh, Flager, if you want to name off the 17 players that the U.S. are bringing. Uh, yeah, so Jack Eichel, Patrick Kane, Dylan Larkin, James Van Riemsdyk, Clayton Keller, Alex DeBrinkett, Chris Kreider, Frank Vetrano, Luke Glendening, Colin White, Quinn Hughes, Alec Martinez, Ryan Sutter, Brady Sky, Corey Schneider, Thatcher Demko, and Caden Pramu are all are the well the first seventeen players that were named on USA's WIHF uh, World Hockey Championship team. As you may or may not know, that's going to be taking place from May tenth to May twenty sixth in Slovakia. So it's pretty soon. Yeah, I'm I'm always a big fan of this tournament because I just like watching uh, players representing their or their country. And I always like international hockey. So uh, I don't, they only brought 17 players, as we just mentioned. And I don't know who is going to fill in the gaps for the other roles. Calgary just got eliminated. I guess, like maybe Johnny Goudreau, uh, Matthew Kachuk, Noah Hannafin, or Austin Zarnick could be called on to the roster. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, Flager. Uh, yeah, like, I don't, I don't really know, man. Like, I, I don't follow... Um like world hockey too much to be completely honest with you um i would assume johnny goudreau is gonna end up there eventually uh they i know the flames just got kicked out so he's probably gonna end up on that team um yeah like i don't know i don't really have an input on that i don't i don't care that much about world hockey to be completely honest with you okay well i'm on the opposite side of the fence i do like watching this tournament because just the exciting players. And you see players that don't usually get to represent the country because some of these players don't get to go to the Olympics or the World Cup of Hockey because they're not good enough for the roster. Um, a lot more players could be representing the Team USA. Austin Matthews, maybe Charlie McAvoy in that series. It's in Game 6, and we'll mention that later. A lot more players we could be seeing. Kyle Connor, Kevin Hayes maybe in their lineup because the Winnipeg Jets are on the brink of elimination. So we'll we'll get to the series now because I think that's the more important topic of discussion in this podcast. So this episode is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Are you into prop betting or daily fantasy sports? Maybe both. I have some great news for you. Breakdownsports.com is partnering with a brand new company that combines daily fantasy sports with player props called Thrive Fantasy. It's really fun and the first of its kind. The way it works is you enter contests using your own lineup made of prop bets. And the more prop bets you guess correctly, the more points you get, which means the greater chance you have at winning money. If you deposit $10 now, using our code BREAKDOWN, spelled B-R-K-D-W-N, 
or use the link found in our description, Fry Fantasy will match your deposit with free $10 credit. Use our link or code and try it out now. We're going to start off with our first series, and that's probably the most surprising series. Upseller. Yeah, in a long time in the National Hockey League playoffs, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning getting swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, game three of that series. I guess we haven't really talked about this series since last week. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. There were two games that we didn't cover since last episode. Game three, Columbus Blue Jackets won 3-1. to one. Duchesne scored and uh, George Strand scored a power play goal, and Atkinson also scored in that game. Yeah, and then in game four, the Columbus Blue Jackets completed the sweep. 7-3 win, Texier's first ever playoff goal, Dubois, Jones, then followed by Bjorkstrand's game-winning goal, which eventually knocked out the Tampa Bay Lightning. Panarin scored an empty netter, Texier another goal, empty netter, and Duchesne an empty netter. So three empty netters because Tampa Bay was so desperate to get back in the game. Unfortunately, they couldn't, and the first seed in the Eastern Conference are out. So what do you feel about that, Andrew? Because that was a surprise to the whole National Hockey League fans and... Yeah, Tampa Bay just like really fell uh, fell apart in that series. Um, obviously though, they were missing Victor Hedman due to injury for Game mm-hmm. Three and Four, so that that played a little bit of a factor. I think that's a big part of their blue line right there. Uh, and Kucherov was also suspended for a game, but I don't think that's really an excuse. If you look at um, mm-hmm. the plus minus of some of Tampa Bay's best players in that series, Steven Stamkos and Brayden Point had the two. Currently have the two worst plus minuses in the playoffs. Stamkos has uh, he's at minus eight and point is at minus five. Um, so that that just sucks for Tampa Bay Lightning when your best players aren't performing and they're they're um, getting scored on on the ice more than they're producing is that's not good news. Kucherov was also a minus four in that series and Sergachev was also a minus four as well. So those are some some shitty stats for some of the Tampa Bay Lightning players. Um, but this is good news for the Columbus Blue Jackets because that means that their their trades that they went all in at the deadline, right? And yep. those trades that they made are obviously paying off. One guy that I think um, was overlooked on in this series was Sergei Bobrovsky. I think he he played really well this series, and I feel like he didn't get talked enough about by uh, some of the analysts that I've been watching. Um, Bobrovsky had a two point zero one goals against average in this series and uh, a 0.932 save percentage, which are very, very good stats. Yeah. He started off game one with letting three straight goals in on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and people are like, all right, we're getting the same Bobrovsky as the previous uh, playoff run, but no, Bobrovsky was definitely good. And you, you just mentioned his stats they are awesome. And it's unacceptable because Tampa Bay Lightning's leading point scorer in the playoffs was Eric Chernak and Eric Chernak is not known for getting points. He's a defensive defenseman on their second pairing with uh, Ryan McDonough, and he recorded three points in four games. So that's definitely unacceptable. And on the other side, Columbus, Duchesne got seven points, Panarin five, and obviously you mentioned Bobrovsky, 9-3-2 save percentage. So this this was definitely a surprise because no one expected Columbus to even win the series, yet sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, this for sure messed up a lot of people's playoff brackets. Messed up mine. (laughs) And messed up a lot of people in playoff pools as well. I know I had Victor Hedman uh, from the Tampa Bay Lightning in my pool, or in our pool. So, uh, yeah, kind of kind of shitty. Yeah, we'll see next year if the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to respond and not do this again. So, we shall see. 
uh, on to the next series. So the winner of, well, this is the next series, the Maple Leafs and the Bruins, the winner of this series will move on to the second round and play Columbus. So the series is the Leafs lead 3-2. And if you want to just mention the games that has happened before. Uh, well, game one, obviously the Leafs took it in Boston. Uh, mm-hmm. Game two, Boston won 4-1. Game three, the Leafs won 3-2. Uh, game four, the, the Bruins won 6-4. And then last night, game five, the Leafs won 2-1. I was actually at uh, Maple Leaf Square last night for that game. So that was that was crazy, man. That must have been crazy, like, yeah. It was my first time ever at Maple Leaf Square. The fans go crazy. Like, when the Leafs scored, it was a very quiet game last night. Uh, it was so 0-0 was heading nervous. into the third period, man. And Yeah, like, it was very quiet up until that third period. When the Leafs finally scored, everyone just went crazy. I even lost my voice a little bit, <laughs> um, like, heading to the bar afterwards. But, uh, yeah, like, it's crazy there, man. And how did they do the split screen? I never really asked anyone who went down. Yeah, so they put the Leafs on the big screen, and then they had they had the Raptors on like a little a little screen off to the side. So all the Raptors fans were all gathered in a little corner, kind of, um, off towards the right. You know how the stage is on the left side? Uh, there was yeah. another TV screen on the right side for the Raptors. Yeah, for the Raptors. So that's where all the Raps fans were. Fun fact, all Toronto, this is going very off topic, but all Toronto sports teams um, won their games yesterday. The Marlies won, the Leafs won, the Raptors won, our rugby team won, our lacrosse team won, uh, the Jays won. Like, every single Toronto team won last night, which is pretty cool. Six for six, yeah, I saw that too. And that's kind of bad on the Raptors, how they had that little screen, but... What are you going to do? I mean, there's kind of more Leaf fans in this city than Raptors fans. Yeah, hockey's definitely the more dominant sport. Anyways, yeah. let's go back onto yeah. the series. Yeah. Um, what, do you th- what are your thoughts on this series, Thomas? You start. I think this is a very good series for the Leafs. Um, lots of fans weren't expecting this kind of play from the Maple Leafs because they had this defensive struggle all year. You know, they added Jake Muzzin to help the defensive core. It didn't really help as much as people thought it would during the regular season at the tail end. Now you're seeing Jake Muzzin. He is a minus five in this series, but he's definitely made a bigger impact than people like expected to because they saw him in the regular season not doing his job well enough. He's laid a hit, I think, every shift, which is good because we haven't seen that from a Maple Leafs team, especially last year's playoffs against Boston where they got bullied around. Um, we're seeing a new Austin Matthews. Everyone called him invisible. In game one and two, he has four goals in um, in five games this series. And I think we're just seeing a better defensive team. I think Mike Babcock watched a lot of game tape on the Boston Bruins. Uh, the Maple Leafs are clogging up the neutral zone because Boston has not really got any high alert chances besides the last, like, what, three minutes of last, um, yesterday's game because they needed a goal. They got the goal. I thought it was offside, but, I mean. Yeah, I think it was, too. I think that was offside, too. Refs deemed it a good didn't goal. matter. Yeah, sorry, I don't mean I don't mean either, but it didn't matter in the end. Anyways. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, I think the Leafs are playing a really good series. I think they're the better team in this series, and hopefully they move on tomorrow because game six tomorrow at three o'clock in the afternoon. So they got to be ready to start on time. Yeah, my thoughts are basically the same as yours. It's a close series, obviously. Uh, last night, especially, it was very back and forth. Uh, it was almost like a chess match in a way. Uh, Freddie Anderson has been playing amazing in the series. He has a .925 save percentage right now. 
Matthews finally found his game, which is huge for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. And Kapanen, finally. I think Kapanen's been a very good player in this series. But Kasperi Kapanen finally got on the score sheet last night. He got he had a goal and then an assist. So that was yeah. that's big news for him. On the Bruins' end of things, though, Bruce Cassidy, I know, was messing around with the lines a little bit, especially in Game 4. And even though um, the Bruins got outshot 42-31 to 31 in that game, it worked. They, they pulled through with the win, right? So that's, yeah, that was kind of... Kind of huge for the Bruins side of things. Uh, this series as well has been very physical, except for last night's game. Uh, I'm just going to read through the hitting count throughout yeah. the series. Yeah, In game ahead. one of the series, the Leafs outhit the Bruins 33-31. to Game two, the Bruins outhit the Leafs 44-39. to Game three, the Leafs outhit the Bruins 42-33. to Game four, the Leafs outhit the Bruins... 37 to 35 and then last night it wasn't that physical of a game uh the Bruins out hit the Leafs 29 to 26 so it's been a physical series yeah and it definitely helps with Jake Muzzin on the back end for the Leafs and it helps when Zdeno Char is pushing every Leafs sweater you can see around so I also wanted to mention Thomas that the Bruins have outshot the Leafs in every single game except game four that's kind of an interesting stat a little bit. I guess, yeah, because, well, for game four, I mean, the Leafs started late, as usual. I mean, they pressed in the third period. Obviously, they got to get more shots to fool to grasp. But, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting stat because, I, I, I mean, you, you would think the Leafs would be out shooting because they're winning the series and they're playing, I think, better than the Bruins in this whole series. But, yeah, that's definitely an interesting stat you got there. Uh, anyways, let's move on to the next series. This is one of my favorite series, actually. I was watching it quite a bit this week. Washington Capitals and the Carolina Hurricanes. Washington, this series is tied 2-2 right now. Um, since we last talked, there were three games that were played. Game two, the Capitals won in overtime 3-2. Game three, the Hurricanes destroyed the Capitals, slapped nothing. Game four, the Hurricanes beat... Um, the Capitals in a very close game, two to one. Uh, so th- this series has been very close. It's been very back and forth. In the last game that I watched, I think Carolina was, they were the the better team in that game. I think they they're always the one thing that I realized about them is they're always first for the puck. They're hard on the puck. The Capitals have a very hard time uh, getting into the offensive end, into the Carolina's end, and setting up, especially in the the last five minutes of. Game four, the last game on Wednesday night, when um, the Capitals got a power play in the last five minutes of the game and they were down 2-1. And they couldn't even set up. Like, Carolina, their defense in that game was just very, very good. Their penalty kill looked really good. It was on point. Capitals were struggling a little bit. And I think – I just think Carolina, they look like the better uh, team in this series. I think defense has uh, been a really part of – Capital or sorry, the Carolina Hurricanes success in that series. Yeah, Dougie Hamilton is playing unbelievable. I think he has three goals in the series or whatnot. Um, we also saw Warren Fogle a dangerous hit on TJ Oshie on Thursday night. TJ Oshie is not going to be with the Capitals in their lineup for I don't know, maybe a couple games, maybe the whole series. Uh, it 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 didn't get enough discipline for a suspension on Warren Fogle. 
but it's definitely a dangerous hit and something you need to avoid as a player not cross-checking another and the opponent on in the back and just him going to the boards his shoulder was crushed like i mean it didn't get a suspension so i guess it's a clean play but i think it should have got more eyes on it so i don't know about that yeah i don't know i i thought it was it was a dirty play in my opinion but i don't think fogel meant it to be a dirty Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like he didn't intentionally do it um he just kind of pushed oshi from the back cross-checked him or whatever and oshi just went in the boards funny it was just it was just a a fluky play yeah it was was a little bit dirty yeah that's it it was an awkward play that that's the word i'm looking for um but yeah, I don't. I don't really think it was suspension worthy. But that sucks no. for the, the Washington Capitals because TJ Oshie, he's probably going to be hurt now, and mm-hmm. I don't know how many games he's going to miss. We don't have an update on the injury quite yet. I don't know if we'll be getting one yeah. actually anytime soon. But um, mm-hmm. it sucks because TJ Oshie is a big leader in that Capitals uh, locker room, especially um, he he shows his leadership and his style of play too. I know I was reading an article. Uh, I think it was this morning or last night. Um, TJ Oshie, he's just a gamer. Like he, yeah. even in blowout wins when the Caps are winning like games like four nothing, five one, five nothing, he's he's back checking hard. He's playing hard. He doesn't care if they're up. He's he's playing to win. Like he he's just he's a gamer. That's all I can all I can say about him. He's he's a good player. He's a big part of that team. Yeah, you you definitely said it right and. Both of these teams split their uh, games at home. So Washington won twice at home and Carolina won twice at home. So we could be seeing a home ice advantage series in this one because Capitals are home tonight in game five. And we shall see what happens. Anyways, let's move on to the, the next series right now. New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. This was a little bit of a shock to sort of like the Columbus Blue Jackets sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the New York Islanders swept the Pittsburgh Penguins in four games. Thomas, you want to read out those scores? Yeah, so uh, game three, 4-1 win for the Islanders. Eberle, Nelson, Komarov, and Lee scored in that one. Game four, 3-1 win for the Islanders. That was the game they de- uh, defeated the Pittsburgh Penguins to eliminate them. Eberle scored again. Nelson and Bailey scored. So in this series, there's been a lot of great storylines on the New York Islanders side because Eberle has four goals in four games and six points in the series. And Robin Lehner has to get a lot of credit for the Islanders' success. He has a 9.56 save percentage and has allowed six goals in four games, which is unreal. And another guy who deserves a lot of credit is Barry Trotz, their head coach. He turned an Islanders team who allowed the most goals against last year into the best team and the best defensive team in the NHL this year by allowing the least amount of goals against. So I think Barry Trotz is well-deserved of the the Coach of the Year award at the end of the year in the NHL awards. And I think the Islanders' style of play is just, it, it just took away from Pittsburgh's offense. All their offensive players did nothing in the series. Uh, Crosby, I think, got two or one point in this series. And I mean, when he's not scoring, I don't think that any other player is going to help by not scoring. And the line of um, the defensive pairing of Pelic and Pollock um, were unreal in this series because they they shredded their the Pittsburgh offense into scoring no goals. I think that was uh, definitely a factor in this series. So good for the Islanders. I wasn't expecting it. I said Pittsburgh in, in six in our um, playoff preview. So yeah, it definitely shocked me. 
Yeah, and Johnny Boychuk, by the way, we didn't mention yet, is going to be out three to four weeks with a leg injury after a block shot. Uh, it kind of sucks for the Islanders because he, he's on one of their top D pairings. Um, he's averaging 16 minutes and 16 seconds uh, average time on ice in the first round of the playoffs. And in the regular season, he actually had more time on ice. Uh, he was averaging 18 minutes and 50 seconds per game. Um, I was going to say, I wanted to start off by saying that the New York Islanders defense definitely won them this series, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously, Leonard has been amazing as well. Mm-hmm. But his goals against average of 1.47 in the playoffs, which is um, he's leading the playoffs, by the way, in goals against average. I think that number, though, 1.47 goals against per game, really reflects the Islanders' defense. And if you look at um, the Islanders' plus minus, Jordan Everly's got he's a plus six right now. Barzell is a plus six. And Anders Lee is a plus five. That's three out of five guys in the top five in plus minus this playoffs from the New York Islanders. So that's a, that's huge. And Barry Trotz, you, you mentioned it, Thomas. Barry Trotz really, he turned this team around. Like, I think he realizes, I think, that the Islanders don't have, uh, like, they don't have any superstars that will, all, like, constantly put the puck in the net. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. have an Alexander Ovechkin. He doesn't mm-hmm. have... Uh, like a Connor McDavid. He doesn't have Austin Matthews. He doesn't have Mitch Marner, right? He yeah. doesn't have any players like that. I think he realizes that. And you mentioned it. Like, he deserves a lot of credit, I think, because I think this is his um, coaching style with the New York Islanders right now is very defensive. And I think that was a, a big factor of why they defeated the Pittsburgh or why they swept the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I want to say, I think. I'm a big believer that defense wins championships, and I think the Islanders are going to make a, a nice little playoff run this year, I think. Yeah. I, especially if, if you – sorry, I, I want to say – Yeah, go, <laughs> Especially go. if you look at the other series, the Islanders are going to be playing either Carolina or mm-hmm. Washington. Carolina, they're not a very offensive team either. So I think the Islander um, defense will overtake – the Carolina offense and they'll shut them down if they end up playing Carolina. But if the Islanders end up playing Washington, Washington, we've seen they've been struggling against the Carolina Hurricanes, right? They haven't really been producing mm-hmm. a crazy ton amount of offense. So I think the Islanders are in a good, are in a good spot. Maybe they'll cool off a little bit because yeah. they're going to have a bunch of time off heading into that next round, but they're in a good spot. I think, I think they, we might see them in the conference finals in my opinion. And I wouldn't be upset if they got to the conference finals because, in my opinion, you like high-scoring games. But watching the Islanders playing the Penguins, I was like, this is masterclass defense at its finest. And like you mentioned before, if Carolina moves on, it's going to be a tough series for Carolina to score goals against the Islanders, Islanders' defense. But you have to remember, Barry Trotz was once the coach for the Washington Capitals. So he knows what the Capitals are, are capable of and how he can shut them down. Because if... if the Islanders can shut down Alex Ovechkin for four games that they have to win. Look out. I mean, the Islanders could be on a tear. And honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised, like, if they can go to the finals because this team is very, very defensive and they can shut down your stars. And they showed it with the Pittsburgh Penguins being swept. That's a really good point. I didn't even think, I, I obviously I knew that Trotz coached uh, the Capitals and he won a cup with them last year, but I never even thought the I like, he knows all the, 
all the little secrets about capitals, right? Like he, yeah. he knows how he probably knows how to get under under guys' skin as well. He'll probably be hinting it uh to to his team, the New York Islanders, um, like giving him pointers on how to how yeah. to rub some of the capitals the wrong way, right? So I think think like I said, the Islanders are in a good spot right now, I think. Moving on to the Western Conference and a series that unfortunately finished for a Canadian team last night. The Calgary Flames got extinguished, as the Avalanche Twitter said, by the Avalanche, obviously. Uh, the Avs won the series 4-1, to one, um, and we didn't get to Game 2. So Game 2 was the Saturday night, and we recorded the podcast before this happened. So Nathan, this is where the actually the Avs won four straight to win the series. So McKinnon scored the overtime winner in a 3-2 win in Calgary. Game 3 was in Colorado. The Avs won 6-2. Uh, shout out to Kale McCarr scoring his first goal in his first ever game for the Avalanche. Game four, another overtime win for the Avalanche. Miko Rantanen scores two goals in that game. And Mike Smith made 49 saves in that one. So a lot of Flames fans were doubtful for Mike Smith's play in the playoffs, but I don't think he was the problem in this series. We'll get to that in a few minutes. And game five, the uh, series clincher for the Avs, 5-1 win for them. Uh, Smith had to make 27 saves in this one. So, Yeah, Mike Smith's been a huge part of um, the fl- – well, the Flames obviously haven't been successful, but he's been a, a big part of why the Flames kind of were in, games, in yeah. some of those games. But they they weren't really in games because none of their players were really producing a whole much. Um, I wanted to go back to Makar for a second. His first NHL game is a playoff game against his hometown – Actually, I don't think it was his hometown team, but his favorite team growing up was yeah. the Calgary Flames. Uh, he obviously scored his first NHL goal against his favorite team growing up in his first NHL game. That's pretty huge. That was pretty cool, I think. Yeah, that's definitely uh, you can't you can't expect that to happen, especially against. I I think he was from, I think he's from Calgary, so against his hometown team, and he obviously cheered for them when he was younger but the flame uh, talking about the flame side um as i mentioned before it's not mike smith's fault you cannot blame mike smith he had to make 50 saves twice in this series and the calgary flames gave up the most shots in this playoffs in the first round they gave up uh playoff worst 173 shots so i mean when only in five games to 173 shots in five games that's a lot when your star player, Johnny Goudreau, has one point in five games and you don't win the series, a lot of the blame ends up on his shoulders. I think Johnny Goudreau played okay, but the puck was just not going in the net for him and the Calgary offense needed to be better. Um, a bright spot for this team, Sam Bennett definitely re- rejuvenated his career this year because he recorded five points in five games in this playoff run uh, with three power play points. The second unit was definitely a factor for the Flames. They just couldn't score. They just couldn't solve Grubauer in the Colorado defense, and the first line was unmatchable. I know the officiating wasn't the best in this series, but I think you know you can't blame officiating if you don't score consistently like you were in the regular season for the Flames. So, yeah, it's too bad that the Calgary Flames uh, star players were not performing at all. Johnny Goudreau last night, he had two break. Well, he had a, a penalty shot that I saw. Um, he missed that. 
and then he had a breakaway soon after. He missed that. He wasn't coming through when the Flames needed him most last night in that game, in that um, elimination game. And you got to feel sorry for Mike Smith, like you mentioned. He's been facing a ton of shots. Um, it's too bad, too bad for him. Yeah, I want to mention that three of the Flames players who were actually somewhat performing, Elias Lindholm, uh, Michael Backlund, and Matthew Kachuk, were all uh, – well, Kachuk was a minus four, and Backlund and Lindholm were minus five on the series. So when your players who are performing are negative, like they're on the ice for more goals against and more goals than they're scoring, that's not good news for the Flames. On the Colorado Avalanche side, though, however, uh, Rantanen and McKinnon are tearing it up this playoffs. Rantanen's got five goals and four assists, nine points in this series. He's averaging 1.8 points per game. And Nathan McKinnon has three goals, five assists, and eight points in this series. He's averaging 1.6 points per game in this series. And that's that's huge. The Colorado Avalanche offense is scary, man. Yeah, and it's definitely going to scare either San Jose or Vegas. Uh, Vegas might make it through tonight because they play. Or I think, yeah, they play tonight. So the Colorado Avalanche are not a team you want to play right now because their top line of, you mentioned, Ranton and Landeskog and McKinnon are definitely a workhorse and they were way too much to handle for the Calgary Flames in this series. McKinnon has definitely proved a lot of people wrong because you might consider him a top five player in the National Hockey League right now just because of his playoff performance against the Calgary Flames. He looked dialed in every game, every shift, because he, there were, I don't think I, he cracked a smile until the game where they won in overtime to go up 3-1 in the series, and then obviously in the handshake line. But McKinnon's definitely scary, and shout-out to Philip Grubauer. He played solid in this series and stunned the Calgary Flames offense. That is for sure. I think this series really came down to top performers, and unfortunately the Calgary Flames had no top performers, while the Colorado Avalanche had a couple, so... I think that's really what it came down to. Good, uh, good for the Colorado Avalanche taking down a number one team in the conference and division, obviously. Yep, and on to the series that um, the Colorado Avalanche will play one of these two teams. It's the Vegas Golden Knights versus the San Jose Sharks. Vegas leads the series 3-2, and we're just going to mention the games that we missed uh, through this week. Game 3, 6-3 win for Vegas. Stone got a hat-trick. Stasny got two goals, Patch Reddy sco- scored, and Martin Jones made 35 saves in the loss. Game four, uh, embarrassing loss for the San Jose Sharks. They lost 5 nothing. Patch Reddy got two, Theodore scored a beauty of a goal, Alex Tuck scored, and Marcheseau scored, and Martin Jones was pulled in that game after letting two goals in on five shots. Then game five, I was really surprised that the San Jose Sharks put up this effort because they won 5-2. Hurdle got two, Couture got, uh, got one. Barclay Goodrow got one and Pavelski scored. So uh, I was expecting San Jose to win uh, seven. They could still do it, but I don't know if they they have the capability of winning two in a row because Vegas is just shutting them down. And they're definitely, it doesn't look like a, San Jose is afraid of the Vegas Golden Knights, but they're definitely not as disciplined as the Vegas Golden Knights because in that five, nothing loss in game four, I think I want to say Evander Kane got 29 or 39 penalty minutes in that game, which is very unacceptable. And Peter DeBoer needs to sit Evander Kane down and tell him, hey man, like you're going to screw us in this series. You got to stop getting penalties because Vegas got eight power plays in that game. And I think they scored one or two goals in that one. So that definitely is a factor in the series. The power play is definitely an advantage because 
Vegas has been doing good, and Mark Stone's been doing good on that power play. But we shall see. Yeah, also, San Jose Sharks forward Joe Thornton um, got suspended for a game this week for an illegal check to the head on Vegas Golden Knights forward, Thomas Noshik. Um, what happened was Noshik kind of – he was skating down the boards uh, by the hash marks in his own end, and the puck got ringed around, and Thornton was skating from behind the net, up the like chasing the puck up the boards. And no shit kind of, I think he backhanded it kind of off the glass or something like that. The puck got cleared. But as no shit was looking up the ice, but skating back behind the net, Thornton kind of clipped his head. And it was it was kind of a dirty hit in my opinion, I think. I don't know what you think about it, Thomas, but I think, I think it was pretty dirty. I think he should have got more than one game for sure. But I also think that the NHL has a lot of respect for Joe Thornton. And I, I think that played a factor in why he only got one game. I don't know what your thoughts are on what your thoughts um are on this but that's just my opinion yeah i that was not a uh that was a bad hit uh joe thorn it was going to be a game for sure i said when um he did he did the hit on thomas nosek but could have been more if it was in the regular season or not as a pivotal as a series this series is because you're you're not wrong i think it could have been two games three games in the regular season but in the playoffs like the player safety department's a lot more linear, I guess, in a sense, not in a sense, like Kadri got three to five games in his series versus the Boston Bruins, but he's a repeat offender and he did it last year. Uh, Joe Thorne. Yes. You mentioned he's a good player and eh, I mean, he could have got more games, but I'm not boggled of why he got one game, but San Jose Sharks need to be better in this series and they need to stay out of that crap because, or else they're going to lose if they start getting penalties because they're back in Vegas and we all know how good the Vegas Golden Knights fans are there. And we all know how good the Vegas Golden Knights have been doing too because Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty are both leading the playoffs in points right now. Stone's got six goals, four assists, and 10 points. Patches also has 10 points. He's got four goals and six assists. Paul Stassi's been doing very well as well. He has two goals and six assists and eight points. And the Vegas Golden Knights, they just, they simply, they seem like the better team Mm -hmm. in the series from what I've seen. We talked about it in our playoff preview uh, podcast episode as well, how most of these games, whenever a team is winning a game, it's usually a blowout. Like they're winning, they're not close games Mm -hmm. by all means. Like we saw Game three, Vegas won, six to three. That's a three goal victory right there. Mm-hmm. Game four, Vegas freaking shut out the San Jose Sharks, five to nothing, five goal lead, five goal difference right there. Game five, there's a three goal difference. The Sharks won five to two. So whatever team's winning the series, they're they're kind of blowing out the other team. Like there's no close games really. Yeah, I agree. And it also has to do with uh, special teams. Power plays definitely factor in the series because. There's been a lot of opportunities for both teams. Yes, we know both teams are hitting and uh, not very good at discipline come uh, in this time around in the playoffs, but Vegas Golden Knights, I would say, is the better team and more consistent team in this playoffs. I think game one, they just got off to a slow start, and I didn't watch game five, so I can't analyze that for you, but I assume the Vegas Golden Knights didn't get off to a right start. I think they were down three or two nothing in this game. And I wrote an article about Mark Stone and his emergence for the Vegas Golden Knights. So go check that out on thebreakdown.com and on Twitter. Yeah, that's pretty much it on this series. I think we can move on to the next one. 
Yeah, National Predators and Dallas Stars are tied right now, 2-2. Two two. Um, since we last talked, we discussed Game 1 on last Game 1 and 2 we discussed, yeah. 1 and 2 we discussed. Yeah, 1 and 2, sorry, yeah. Um, but this past week, we witnessed Game 3 and 4 of the series. And in Game 3, uh, the Predators won 3-2. Grimaldi scored, Forsberg, and Granlund, Granlund scored. Pecorino made 42 saves. He, he was sharp that game. But then yeah. Game 4... Shit hit the fan for Pecorino, and they lost. The National Predators lost five to one. Uh, Hin scored two goals. Radulov scored. Cogliano scored. Zuccarello scored. And Rene was pulled after letting in four goals on twelve shots. Yeah. Um. Honestly, in this series, I was expecting Nashville to do a lot better. Uh. Dallas, the Stars are a good team, but I don't think the National Predators are worse than the Dallas Stars. I think that the Nashville Predators should be playing a lot more of a defensive and offensive game. Their power play, yes, it does suck. Yeah, I could use the word suck because it does. They were last in the regular season at 12.9%. But I think they got to be better than Nashville Predators because a lot of people were expecting either a sweep or five games. I put six games in the series. Uh, it could end up going six games because Nashville could win two more. But... As I mentioned before, Nashville's got to be a lot more defensive. I think Pecorine was hung out to dry in Game 4, and I don't think they're, they're going to do that again. Game time is 3 o'clock today. It's in an hour because uh, we're recording. It's 2 o'clock right now, so hopefully we see a better Nashville team, and I think Peter Laviolette's going to put out a better Nashville team in this one. See, I, I kind of disagree with that. I think I don't think Reno was really hung out to dry. I just think he was kind of shit in uh, that last okay. game, Game 4 there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be honest, um, he had uh, right now in the playoffs, he has a 3.07 goals against average and a 0.902 save percentage, and he's led in 10 goals in four games. I would seriously consider putting Saros in that, I think. He, he's seen uh, a little bit of playoff experience backing up Pecorino, and he's had some success. Um. In his career, he has a 2.49 goals against average and 9.920 save percentage in his career. Uh, that's in 79 games played and 70 games started. This season, he had three shutouts, a 2.62 goals against average, and a 0.915 save percentage in 31 games and 27 games started. And I, I seriously think Rene just hasn't been good enough and I, I would see if I'm the Nashville Predators, I know that it's a close series, and obviously you want to get ahead um, and go up three to two today. But I would, I would seriously consider starting Saros. I think. What do you think about that, Thomas? I don't think it's a stupid um, take by you, but I, it's not stupid at all because uh, UC Saros is definitely a great goaltender, and I don't know when he's going to get a shot because. Pecorine, I think, is signed on for the next season and the next year after that. And, yeah, Pecorine, he, I, I think he's been hung out to dry, but he's definitely got to be better. I mean, that's not acceptable. Four goals and 12 shots. Uh, I think some of the did goals you, were on power play, but, yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, did you see some of those goals that he let in, though, in yeah, Game 4? Yeah. I, I, like, some, like, three of them were basically right, almost right at him. Like, they weren't, like amazing plays or anything they weren't like mm -hmm. amazing shots like he he easily could have had at least two out of those four goals i think that's no, why I, I would seriously like rene has he just doesn't perform great all the time in the playoffs like he has off games like that 
Yep. That's why I would just consider maybe changing things up. No, I, I definitely, I, I wouldn't say I agree, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to start Soros. I mean, your team can get rejuvenated in this game, and it could be a pivotal game because you can go up 3-2 in the series. I think they start Rene for that reason, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to start Soros at all. I think he's a good enough goaltender to win a game in the playoffs. But I'm just going to go off topic a bit. I was expecting so much more of the Nashville Predators this year. I wasn't expecting them to blow out Dallas. But was, like their acquisitions, man, they got Wayne Simmons, Mikael Granlin, and Brian Boyle. Those aren't three bad players. They're three good players, and they make an impact on your roster. I was expecting more offense from this team because they didn't perform as well as people thought in the regular season with their offense. Uh, Ryan Johansson needs to be better. He has one point in this series. Philip Forsberg, I think, has two or one goals. I mean, he's he's been okay, but he they, they can do a lot better. And... Uh, yeah, they just got to be better offensively because their power play is atrocious and their offensive zone time's all right. So, yeah, you're right. Those acquisitions that um they acquired this year, they they had a lot of depth to that lineup, and I was expecting a little bit more of them too. I think. Uh, this is definitely a series to watch, though. Yes, I mean, it is. Yeah. Moving to moving um forward this afternoon, especially, I think yep. whoever wins the game today is going to end up winning the series, I think. I can't see this series going into seven games, I don't think. And then uh, next series, the Winnipeg Jets versus the St. Louis Blues. Arguably one of the best and most hitting, like, oh, man, this this series has a lot of hitting. Physical. It's definitely the most yeah. physical, that's for sure. And it's heated, too. And the Blues are up 3-2 in this one, and that might be a surprise for most people listening to the podcast if they haven't watched any playoff hockey, which is kind of dumb on their part. But game three. 6-3 win for the Jets. Hayes line scores in his third straight game. Connor gets two. Tanev gets one. Bufflin scores one. Game four. 2-1 for the Jets. Shifley and Connor score. And Connor scores his third of the series and the overtime winner in this one. Game five is in Winnipeg. 3-2 win for the Blues. Blues score three straight to win the game. Ryan O'Reilly gets one. Shen gets one. And Schwartz scores with 15 seconds left in the third period. Uh, these teams just don't like to win at home. Uh, the home team has not won a game in this series yet. Uh, that's very concerning because that's like the, what was the series? Uh, that's the Washington Capitals and Carolina Hurricane series. Uh, it's the opposite though. Home team doesn't want to win at home. That's kind of concerning because both crowds are very, uh, into the game and Winnipeg is usually really, really good at home in this regular season they have a good track record at home this series has been physical but I think both teams have to bury their offensive chances they have more often than not uh the St. Louis Blues nobody expected as I mentioned last week again they were last place on January 3rd and no one expected much from their inexperienced goalie that they have Jordan Bennington in this playoff run but man has he been good and the Blues offense has been good, and the, and the Jets offense has been good. Their acquisitions have been good, but this series is very tight, and it could go to seven. I could see the series going to seven as well. It's kind of weird that um, the Jets have been kind of awful at home. They've obviously lost every game at home in the series because their their fans are crazy there. Same with St. Louis too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a weird weird little stat that you had that you know neither team has won at home yet. Um, I wanted to mention that. Dustin Buff, Big Buff, has just been 
amazing in this series, in my opinion. He's kind of found his stride a little bit. He's huge, first of all. 6'5", 260. Yeah. <laughs> and he's physical. He throws the body around. He has 12 hits in the series right now. But he is he has one goal and five assists in the series, only six points. But if you watch this series at all, Buff's been he's been shut down, I think. Like he's been he's been very very good in my opinion. Obviously he has some playoff experience. Um and he made uh I think he won one Stanley Cup with the Chicago Blackhawks. Maybe two actually, now that I think of it. No, he, he only, was a big he's part. only won one. Was it only one? Yeah, two thousand ten. Yeah, it would have been Two thousand, yeah, ten, I guess. Um. Anyways, yeah, like he has a lot of playoff experience, and he's mm-hmm. he's kind of he's a leader out there. No, I I definitely agree what you're saying about Bufflin and Line has been good this this playoff run. He has three goals in this series, and people didn't. I don't know what they were expecting come playoff time because he wasn't that good at the end of the regular season, but he's definitely been good in the playoffs. Um. The reason why I have not much to say about this game six leading up tonight at uh, I think it's eight o'clock is because I don't know what to expect come game six. Like I don't know what team's gonna show they want it more in the first period. I don't know what because it's been a whirlwind of a series because obviously we mentioned the home team has not won in their barn yet, and it could be an interesting one come puck drop. I'm kind of on the fence with you as well. I haven't actually been watching the series a whole time. But it's it's been a weird one. Like both these teams were very cold coming into the playoffs, I think, right? No, like I completely agree. Like we don't know what to expect from this series. like it's just weird. I don't know. Like I don't know who's gonna win tonight. Obviously no one knows, but it's just been weird. Like it's unpredictable. Very unpredictable. <laughs> like- I seriously thought Heading into this series, I thought that the Jets were going to win this series, and I think I predicted seven games, but I only said that they were going to win the series in seven games because of home ice advantage, and that hasn't been a factor at all. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. It's just been the complete opposite, so I don't know what to freaking expect from the series anymore, man. Yeah, I'm lost no, for words here in this No series further well. comments on this series. Yeah, that's like, it's just weird. I don't even want to talk about it. It hurts my head thinking about this series right now. The only- it's just physical. All you need to know about the series is it's physical. Yes, That's it's very it. physical. Uh, the one more thing I could say about the series is, yeah, it's not like come puck drop at whenever what time it is. I don't care what time it is. One team is always going to be more ready than the other. It's like it seems in the series because uh, St. Louis is at home. They haven't won at home yet, and they have to win this game. And they'll win it if they win this game. They'll win the series, obviously. Uh, in seven games, like if the Jets win tonight. No one is going to know what to expect come Game 7. You don't know if the Jets are going to play good or the Blues are going to play good. You're just expect you're just going to the game knowing, okay, we're in a Game 7. Hopefully we win. Like, you know, Hopefully they get a good start. But, yeah, we don't, I, don't, I don't have much to say because both teams haven't been good at home. So Yeah, they're just unpredictable. Are you looking to sign up with the online sportsbook for the first time or just looking to place bets through an online sportsbook? The Breakdown has you covered. Check out mybookie.ag. And use our code BRKDWN. Again, BRKDWN. And you will get a 50% off bonus on your deposit up to $100. That means if you deposit $100 using our code, you get $50 free. Again, use our co- code BRK 
DWN on MyBookie now. Anyways, I think that's really all we got for everyone today. Uh, you have any last words, Thomas? I know that you just came out with uh, a couple articles. Uh, are you going to be coming out with anything in the near future here? This yeah, week? so uh, I talked to our lead of NHL, Rob Bowen. Great guy, great manager of the NHL team. Um, I'm going to be releasing a bunch of double IHF World Hockey Championship uh, articles, and that's the tournament that's going to be held from May 10th to May 26th in Slovakia. Um, I'm going to be mentioning a lot of articles about their rosters, the team that they're bringing, uh, players that could be eliminated from the playoffs and go to the tournament. Uh, just keep an update on that. Obviously, I mentioned the Mark Stone article when we were talking about the Vegas series. Go check that out. And all the articles will be on thebreakdownsports.com. Yeah, I'm going to be working on – I'm still working on Fantasy Hockey Year in Review. That'll be, that should be up this week at some point. And Thomas and I are working on Fantasy Hockey Yearly Awards. Yep. Um, article that'll be interesting i think uh, we have some nice some nice creative awards that i think many people will enjoy reading about and yeah check out the breakdown sports for much more sports content and follow us on twitter and instagram at the breakdown sports yeah that's pretty much uh it from episode nine of the n10 puck talk podcast as always i'm thomas fessio and alongside me is andy flager and we'll see you next week